You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Pointers for Living Prophetic. And this is number 12 in Restoring the Soul. And I'll be continuing the theme of what I was sharing last week. So pointers for living prophetic. Father, I first pray that you would take these words and make it real to us and that your word would not just be something left on a shelf, but it would be like light entering into our hearts and that we would realize the grace you have given us, that you have put your words in our mouth so that we can speak it and bring change and life and transformation into this world. We're, we're praying that you help us to walk this out and that you would release the authentic prophetic spirit of, uh, of your word into your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands on our hearts and pray with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. So pointers for living prophetic. Today, today we'll, ex today we'll explore how to live prophetically and receive prophetic messages by looking first at Jesus and then at Elijah. So we're, last week we were focusing on why prophesy, the reason behind it, the foundation behind it. Today is more the practical of how. So how to live prophetically and how to receive prophetic messages. So we're going to be hearing Jesus first and then looking at Elijah this little scene here reminds me of when I take my uh, walks at night at Sandgate, Shorncliffe. And uh, I love uh, walking along the water there. And when there's a full moon, it looks like this. So it's a beautiful spot. But this is not a picture of, this is not a picture of uh, Sandgate uh, or the bay there, but it reminds me of that. What did Jesus say in Matthew 10, 27? He's sending out his disciples into a mission, much like what Daniel and Diana are doing now. And what does he say to his disciples? What does Jesus say? What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. So let me say this one more time. And I'll repeat this probably a few times over the message what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, 
proclaim from the roofs. And this is Jesus, Matthew 10, 27. Back then, the, a roof of a house was like a, a flat platform. They would go up to the top of their houses for um, coolness, you know, cool night air, uh, maybe to rest or sleep. It was different than our, uh, different than usually our roofs today. So it's like a, like a platform with a railing around it. And what Jesus is saying is, here is what I whisper in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Not necessarily literal roofs, uh, but make it known, make it clear. But I especially want us to pay attention to the words whisper and what I tell you in the dark and what is whispered in your ear. So this is a way that the Lord communicates to us. We'll talk about that some more. Here's a question that I'm throwing out there for you, and I think a number of you will be able to answer it. What was God's solution to the chaos and darkness in the beginning? So Genesis 1-2, the answer will be in Genesis 1-3. But what was God's solution to the chaos and darkness in the beginning? It's a, there's a phrase in the Hebrew, tohu vavohu, which describes the formlessness, uh, the emptiness, the chaos, tohu vavohu. That's the chaos. And the darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. Uh, or the darkness was over the face of the deep. That's what it says. The darkness was over the face of the deep. Well, what was God's solution to the chaos and darkness in the beginning? Good. A few, got a few thoughts here. Fran is hitting the nail on the head. His word. So there was darkness and chaos. Well, first we see the Spirit of God coming and hovering over the face of the, the waters. So we see his presence. And then also his word. God speaks into the darkness. He speaks into the chaos. And he says, let there be light. Let there be light. And there was light. And this is, it is through God's word that he is bringing order and bringing formation and then filling his creation. So this was God's solution. God's solution was his word, and God's solution still is his word, his living word that comes from his mouth. It was his spoken word, his voice. That was the solution, his spoken word, his voice. Now, in the scripture, we have the recorded word of God. So God spoke and what he spoke and what he's teaching is recorded in the Bible. Yet I would say we need to make sure when we're reading the word, this is the word of God, but when we're reading the word of God that we hear his voice through the written word. So when we're talking about the word of God and it's like walking a tightrope uh, because if you lean over one way, you're going to fall over. You lean over the other way too far, lose your balance, you're going to fall over. I've heard people, and this is wrong, but I've heard people say, don't idolize the Bible, don't idolize the Bible. Well, uh, that, is, that would lead to heresy. The Bible is the written word of God, and 
you, can, you can't idolize God's word because God's word is God's word, right? So <laughs> that, I, that's a wrong way of thinking about it. I've heard that. I've heard that a, a fair bit uh, going around, you know, social media and things like that. And this is why I'm saying it's like walking a high wire. That, that's falling a little too over, but... What I believe people are trying to say is we need the living voice of God through his word. So the, the written word, though, keeps us also in check with, you know, all these people say, oh, I heard God said this, God said that. Well, what is the test? It's the scripture. It's the scripture, and it's through the scripture that we learn to hear God's voice, and we hear God's voice. We, not, we hear God's voice through Scripture. And so one of the ways to become prophetic, and the chief way is to read Scripture and ask God to speak to you through Scripture and to teach you His Word. What I find is often we're seeking God for what we want, like, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do here, or what do you want me to do there? And God may be on a different page than us. And so we should seek him for himself and what he wants to tell us and not us trying to be Lord of our life and Lord, help me be Lord of my life. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, we're asking the Lord to help us be Lord of our life rather than saying, you're the Lord. Teach me what you want, want to teach me. And, and what I find with God's voice is he is almost always on a different page than us. So we'll come with our problems, our issues, and then he's talking to us about something else. Or he's revealing to us his character. He's speaking light into our darkness. It was his spoken word, his voice, that was the solution in the beginning. And it's the solution today, and it's the solution for our life. Here's a potter. Uh, Eva recently started doing pottery. She's been making some nice different vessels and things along, the, that, uh, things along that nature. Prophecy is foundational because of the light formation and infilling that God, God's word brings. So prophecy is foundational because of the light formation and infilling that God's word brings. Now prophecy, as I mentioned last week, when people hear it, they often think about prediction. But God is not predicting anything. God is the one who causes everything to be. And so when God speaks, he causes to be and he reveals what is. And also, he does reveal what is coming, but what is coming comes from the seed of what is already through the word, what comes through the word. So prophecy is foundational because of the light formation and, 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 and infilling that God's word brings. All ministry should be prophetic in nature because we are called to bring God's voice into the darkness of this world. So no matter what ministry it is, evangelistic ministry, pastoral ministry, uh, our, our own lives, what we're doing to help and bless our neighbors, whatever, whatever we do, all ministry should be prophetic. And prophetic has to do with speaking God's word into the situation at hand, what 
what he's presently wanting to say with authority. So all ministry should be prophetic in nature because we are called to bring God's voice into the darkness of this world. We are called to bring God's voice into the darkness of the world, and that voice brings light. And people are drawn to that light. This is why Paul says, and we covered this verse last week, this is why Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Follow the way of love. He was just teaching on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So he says, follow the way of love, do it in the way of love, do it in the spirit of love, but eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. Or here, literally, it's desire spiritual things that, or things that are of the spirit. The word gifts is not in the original in this verse. Uh, it is what prophecy is, is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. So eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So because of how important God's word is, this is why the scripture is teaching us to prophesy, and everyone can prophesy if they have the spirit. Now, I'm of the conviction, and I'm of the conviction, and I see it clearly in the word, that anyone can move in any gift of the Spirit because these are from the Spirit. So it's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do through you for that time. So one time you may be prophesying, another time you may be moving in faith, another time you may be operating in uh, some sign, wonder, miracle, Whatever the gift is needed for that time and that place and that the Holy Spirit wants to bring through you. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to bring through you. So everyone can prophesy. And prophecy can become a way of life, living prophetically, that is. Can become a way of life. And this is what I shared last week, why prophesy. And now I'm just rapid fire going through these to get to the next to get, uh, give a foundation to get to the next thing. Uh, so why prophesy? We saw last week prophecy is speaking God's word in real time. Prophecy releases life. We see that in Ezekiel 37, how powerful it is that there was these dry bones. And then God says to Ezekiel, there's no hope for these dry bones. But God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these dry bones, and they come to life. They come together, they come to life, and the breath of life comes into them. But it all happens when Ezekiel prophesies. So this is why prophecy is so critical. The other thing I'd like to say about this is prophecy isn't always God speaking in the first person, though that is the classic form of it. The classic form would be, thus saith the Lord, and then God is speaking in the first person. I, the Lord God, will deliver you. Uh, God speaking through someone in the first person. That's a classic form of pro prophecy, but that's not the only form. Prophecy can come in many different forms, like songs, Anna singing, the, uh, the, the songs and the psalms in, uh, we read in Scripture, parables, poetry. God's word comes 
in different ways. And we should honor and see that as prophetic as well. And not just, not just the utterance. The utterance is important. But all of these other forms are also very critical and important. Prophecy releases life. Prophecy reveals God's perspective. Prophecy builds up. Prophecy makes Jesus known. Hallelujah. And prophecy is good, but must be tested. And we talked about that last week. So if you want to know more about those things, you can go to last week's message, which was, what was it, the power of prophecy? Was that was, I believe that's the name of it. Or the purpose. No, it's the purpose of prophecy. That, that's it, the purpose of prophecy. So this is Dan, Daniel and Diane are on the road. They are with us this morning. Daniel did this drawing, and that's with his, his, his dominant hand is his right hand, but his right hand was, uh, you know, had surgery. He had the uh, issues with his right hand, so he had to start doing things with his left hand. So this is him drawing and painting with his left hand. And this one is all called New Beginning. And it went into a, I think it's a, a, a home for uh, women uh, to help those who are suffering from domestic violence. Uh, and so now the official, I guess with official painting, he gave it to, to them. He'll be able to tell you more uh, next week about this. But that's his drawing. And that's, this goes with what I want to share since the prophetic word brings new life and transformation, Jesus calls his disciples to pay attention to what he whispers in the dark and quiet places. So the prophetic word brings new life and transformation. It's God's voice speaking through human beings. And this, this is, a, as Daniel will call it, a prophetic painting because he is painting what he sees and what God is wanting to speak. And we see a butterfly coming out of a chrysalis or cocoon there. I did a study on butterflies, and I didn't realize that uh, there are some butterflies that make cocoons. Most of them make chrysalises, and uh, if that's what the plural is, <laughs> a chrysalis. Most of them make a chrysalis. Moths are known for making cocoons, but butterflies, there are certain species of butterflies that make cocoons. Well, we go back to Matthew 10, 27, what we started with. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. So Jesus calls his disciples to pay attention to what he whispers in the dark and quiet places. And notice how it's a whisper. Now, you can only hear a whisper if you're close to someone. You've got to be close to someone to hear a whisper. And this is a technique that the Lord taught me when Gideon was a little kid. He was running amok here and there. He's not here, so I could tell this story. Now, now, he's, big, now he's a lot bigger, bigger and badder than me, right? But uh, somebody bit a chunk out of him while he was doing security and uh, I would be worried, you know, parents would be worried, but he's like, it's a badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> he had to be in the hospital for six hours. 
getting all these shots for all these things. That, but as he was doing his security work, he had to wrestle someone down, and the guy bit him. Well, at one time, Gideon was a little kid, and he wasn't listening. So I was like, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, just whisper what you want him to do in his, what you want him to do in his ear. So I said, Gideon, come here. I said, please be quiet. Don't, don't, don't run around. And all of a sudden, he would do it. <laughs> he would be quiet and stop running around. And I realized that sometimes, you know, as parents, we're really shouting at the kids, stop it, stop it. <laughs> all the neighbors can hear and everything. And Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes we've had to go to our neighbors and say, oh, well, you know, sorry if you heard some yelling. It's, you know, trying to keep the kids in line. And uh, the, the neighbors that we had, oh, I didn't hear anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but there's a power in a whisper. People pay attention to a whisper. And the way God often communicates to us is a whisper. But that whisper is very powerful. I like to call it a thunderous whisper. So it is thunderous. It gets our attention. And some people ask, well, how do you know it's God's voice? It's like, how do you know your parents' voice? You just know. But there are some tests and some safeguards, which next week I'd like to talk more about that. But you know it's him, and it comes with his authority, and it comes with his uh, grace and power, and it comes with his spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience. It comes with his spirit. And it often cuts against the grain of the way we are thinking. We're thinking along this way, and then God's word comes and gets us thinking a different way. I was praying and complaining about something with God last night as I was walking. Uh, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. It's this way, not the way you're seeing it. It's this way. And the Father often does that. He corrects our thinking. He corrects our thinking, helps us to see and understand things rightly. It's what Jesus whispers to us in the dark and quiet places that we're commanded to proclaim. So in order to live prophetically, we need to be listening, constantly listening to his voice, getting close to him so we can hear his whisper. And it's this whisper that he wants us to proclaim and let others know and that's when others, we can hear, but then you need to have the boldness to speak. Right? The boldness to speak. And that takes uh, the power of the Holy Spirit as well, because we're meant to speak not just what we hear, but the way the Lord wants us to share it. In the spirit that he wants us to share it in. This is a project that I've been reviving uh, sayings from the Burning Heart of Leonard Ravenhill. This was my, uh, not hardly anybody knows about this. Hardly anybody know, knows about this project. Uh, when I was in Bible school, when I was in Bible school, I uh, read all of Leonard Ravenhill's 
books, and then I carefully, meticulously went through them, highlighting them and typing out and arranging quotes and sayings from Leonard Ravenhill, all from America to Z's, which is zeal, going through you know, topics like faith and prayer. And Leonard Ravenhill is known as the one who was the father of modern revival because he mentored Steve Hill, who was used in the Pensacola revival. He was the catalyst of the Pensacola revival, Steve Hill. Well, Leonard Ravenhill mentored Steve Hill as well as mentored Dr. Michael Brown, and he was a strong prophetic voice. His words were not for, his words would shake you up, all right? You know, they, they shake you up and they stir you. So I did this project, and uh, this week I found it on my hard drive, and I thought, I need to convert this into an ebook. And I just, I started to work on that, convert it to an ebook, and we're putting it in our new e-store, which is a new uh, online store. It's a Shopify store. Uh, inspiration Fire. Inspiration Fire. Not Inspirational Fire, but Inspiration Fire. That's the shop. Well, this is what Leonard Ravenhill says. This is one of the quotes in there. The high peaks of the soul are reached in solitude. Leonard Ravenhill from Why Revival Tarries. And I heard that... Uh, Yushi was reading Why Revival Tarries. I think, were you reading Why Revi Revival Tarries about a year ago or so? The high peaks of the soul are reached in solitude. So keep posted at the Inspiration Fire online store. And what I've been doing is making this online store so that people could uh, get the different resources from the ministry, like the infographics, courses, books, uh, inspiration translation that I'm working on, all these things. Right now, only about 5% of the stuff is on there, but I'm going to, by the grace of God, be building that. So pray that God uses it, um, and uh, it's meant to be a resource for the churches out there, and then you can you share about the ministry through, through it too. So appreciate your prayers for that. No, nobody knows about it <laughs> right now, just a few people. It's, it's not like a high traffic. But I, I, I want it to be, I, I, in my heart is that God would use it for his glory. This is where prophetic ministry begins, not in the public, but in the secret place. Prophecy begins in the cocoon, the dark hidden area of prayer and the heart. Now this is, you know, the caterpillar goes in a cocoon. Think about the cocoon. It's dark. It's hidden. And if the caterpillar had some feelings, it would be a scary place. But then it breaks out of the cocoon. Now it's in the cocoon, that dark hidden area of prayer and the heart, that God begins his work. And this is where prophetic ministry begins. And often the cocoon or the chrysalis is upside down. And we went through a time in our ministry and our church where everything seemed to go upside down. And the Lord reminded me, I'm bringing transformation. I'm transforming things. In order for me to transform, going into a cocoon. 
and this is the beginning of a transformation. It's dark, it's scary, everything seems to be turned up on its head, but I'm at work. And he's at work in making us, making us something beautiful that can fly, and that's a testimony of who he is. Authentic prophets value God's voice and intimacy with Jesus above all other things. So authentic prophets value God's voice and intimacy with Jesus above all other things. They live not by their own spirit or ideas, but through the Holy Spirit and his wisdom. So we're living by a different spirit, not our own spirit, and we're not living by our own ideas, but through the Holy Spirit and his wisdom which is often correcting our thoughts. So God is constantly correcting and getting us back on track. We've got our own thoughts that would lead us the wrong way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. But then the Holy Spirit, when we're listening to him, he's constantly bringing us on track. And it doesn't matter if you're reading the Bible three hours a day, you are going to have issues with your own thoughts <laughs> and doing things your own way. So you can be praying lots, reading the Bible lots, but you'll still have issues with your own thoughts and your flesh trying to tug you away from God's way. Because God's way is costly, and God's way is a lot different than our way. And God's way is not intuitive to us, it is counterintuitive. Never did I think I'd be sitting here, you know, a couple of years ago, sitting here teaching, but this is what I believe God wants me to do. Sit around, we're in a camp <laughs> style, and I'm talking to you, and I see this as our, our leadership, you know, leadership meeting, but it was not something that I would be comfortable with that at first. I like to stand up and walk around. And <laughs> but this is how the Lord has led us. And I just want to be obedient to him. This is Mount Sinai area. One of the Old Covenant's chief prophets Elijah lived this way. Through all his pain and persecution, he clung to Yahweh and longed to hear his voice. So let's look at this in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. I want us to see Elijah's struggle. Now, Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed. And that is what brought the transformation and the change. So 1 Kings 19, so when we think of Elijah, we think of, oh, how powerful was this man that he called down fire from heaven? How powerful was this man when he prayed, the heavens became like brass and they, there was no rain? And then he prayed again and it rained and he brought the nation to its knees and turned many people from idols to the Lord. But we've got to realize that this was a man who had issues and problems just like us. And Elijah, uh, sorry, Jezebel was angry with Elijah and wanted to kill him. And interestingly, Elijah was afraid. He, he, he just called down fire from heaven. 
Why would he be afraid? But this is the deal. When you do something great for God, you're often very vulnerable afterwards. So you preach, you teach, you lead worship, you, you go out on a trip or mission like Daniel and Diane, you bless somebody. After, because you're giving yourself, because you're giving life from yourself, you're often very vulnerable right afterwards. And this is where you have to be on guard. So Christians often have a great offense. You know, we're going off doing all these things, but our defense isn't as, as good. And our defense needs to be strong. I was watching a basketball game yesterday, and the whole crowd is shouting, defense, defense, defense. <laughs> and if you don't have a good defense, you're not going to win. You're not going to win, even though you have a great offense. Well, here's Jezebel. She's screaming these threats at Elijah and says in 1 Kings 19.3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush. This is a humble broom-like bush, right? And he comes to this broom bush, sat down under it, he felt, like, he felt himself like this broom bush swept away and humble and, and broken. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. All right? I have had enough, Lord. Now, why do I like this passage? I've felt like this, too. Have you ever felt like this? I've had enough, Lord. All these issues and, and trials and... I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I know, I know when I started ministry, you know, you're going out there. It's like, oh, we're going to plant the church. And it was 20, 24 years ago, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do something better than the others have done. You know, and you, you try not to think that. But, yeah, I'm going to do something. that. And then you find out this is a lot, lot tougher than you could ever imagine. It is, a, a, the ministry is a lot tougher, and it was, it's going to look a lot different than what you expect it's going to look like. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. You know, I didn't do anything more than my ancestors, he's saying. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. So he was quite tired, right? And tiredness will affect us. I'm just making some commentary as we go through this. Is that Okay. All at, thanks, guys. <laughs> All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. That would be nice. That's room service. <laughs> Heavenly room service. Well, part of the issue was he was famished. He needs to eat. And when we're feeling like this, we need to eat both physically and spiritually. We need to eat the word of God. He ate and drank and then lay down again, so he had to rest. He's doing a lot of resting here. Verse 7, Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. So he ate, right? Didn't he just eat? Get up and eat. He looked around. He ate and drank. Then he fell asleep. Then he had to eat again. You know, so there's a there's cycle go on, going on. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. 
We'll be talking about the journey more tomorrow night as I teach on the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, as well as other things, Dalit. So that's tomorrow night. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Well, this is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And Horeb is a dry place. It also is the same spelling for the word and sounds like the word sword in Hebrew. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Now here comes the classic uh, passage that many of us know. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and they're now trying to kill me too. So he feels isolated. He thinks he's the only one. And there is a lot that was against him. Uh, but this is what he's thinking. Now, I want to... This is what he's thinking. This is his thoughts. And in prayer, we get out our thoughts. But don't let prayer stop there. We need to hear what God's response is. So this is what he's thinking, and it's good for him to pray this. It's, it's good to get your emotions out there, to be raw and real with God. Very important. But don't stop there. What's God's response? What are you saying to me in this pain, in this hurt, in this resistance that we're going through? The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of Yahweh, and Yahweh is about to pass by. That's the Lord, Yahweh. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And Elijah recognized the voice of God in that gentle whisper. And we also need to recognize the voice of God in the gentle whisper. There are all these other things you would think God was speaking through. All these spectacular events like mountains being split apart, an earthquake and a powerful wind and fire. But it was after the fire that came, there came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Again, the voice says the same thing. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah repeats, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. From this, the Lord speaks to him and gives him specific direction. Now, some people interpret this and say, oh, here's God rejecting Elijah, saying, okay, you complain too much. It's over. Pass over everything to Elisha. You're done with. No, 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 no. This is the real pivoting point. That's not my interpretation of it. This is the pivoting point of Elijah's life, the most important task he will ever do, and that is pouring himself into Elisha. Elisha, Elisha in the Hebrew, Elisha. And so then he's going to pour, he's going to anoint some others, but he's going to now have this relationship with Elisha, his protege, and he's going to pour himself into him. 
and then Elisha is going to take over. So to me, this is not a rejection. This is a, a, a clarification of what he's meant to do. And look at what is said at the end, verse 18. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound, bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all, those, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So here, the Lord is saying, you think you're the only one? No, there's a lot more that have not bowed down. You don't see them but they are there. And the Lord is gently correcting his thinking and giving him his will and what to do. And this is then after that, Elijah finds Elisha and Elisha leaves everything. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Real turning point there. Here is, we're close to the end, but here is the phrase in Hebrew of the still small voice or the gentle whisper. So we have kol, damama, dacha. Kol, damama, dacha. Now I don't explain, I don't expect you to understand it all, but in that we're reading right to left in the second and third word. We have the letter Dalit, which we're going to be learning tomorrow. The mama daka. So kol is voice. It also means sound or thunder. Uh, so it has that uh, implication of something that is strong, like thunder, voice, kol. And then we have the mama, which means calmness, without winds or waves, a breeze, a breath, a something quiet, a whisper. And you'll see how this word is used in Psalm 107, 29. If you go to Psalm 107, 29, it says, He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. So it's used of God stilling the storm to a whisper, so the, the waters get calm. The waves of the sea were hushed. We think of Jesus speaking over the storm and everything gets quiet. And this is what God's word does. It's powerful, but also because it's so powerful, it brings the calmness. It brings that quiet. And it gives us a great confidence. It gives us a great confidence that God, you will, you're going to keep your word. God, your way is greater than every other way. And then the other word is daka, which means fine, small, soft, beaten, small, crushed, dust, powder. The idea of God's word being fine, of high quality, uh, humble, dust-like powder, humble, uh, scarce, rare, that's the idea being communicated by this Hebrew word, daka. What do we, we call, when we, it's like the, 
in Arabic, you find it also. You have your little bread, you put the oil on it and dip it into daka. What is it? What do you say? Daka. Daka, right? We say daka, right? But this is where, because there's Semitic languages, daka, it's the similar, similar thought. So the idea of God's word being fine and soft, when God speaks, he speaks with the humility that was exemplified on the cross where Jesus was crushed for us. So God speaks in the meekness and humility of who he is, which was exemplified on the cross of Jesus Christ. And I bring out these things so that we would recognize the quality of his voice, the call the mama daka. The idea of God's voice is that is humble, unique, rare, quieting, and calming. The Lord has been crushed through the sacrifice of his life for all creation. This profound humility pervades everything he says. His whisper quiets the fiercest storm. And like I said before, it's a thunderous whisper, a calm and delicate voice, but so powerful and with all authority. We're coming close to an end here. At the same time, the Lord's voice can be alarming. While it can be calming, it can be alarming and unsettling to those who are stuck in their ways. And even for us who are following God's way, but we're starting to drift a little bit, it alarms us, unsettles us. We don't desire to hear him. So the Lord's voice can shake us if we don't desire to hear him and we're stuck in our ways. So that is the paradox of God's voice. And this comes to the last thing I want to share about peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> so as you know, in America, we have a dearly, a dearly loved sandwich, which is called peanut butter and jelly. Now, we, don't, we use grape jelly for this. So to do it in Australia, what you need is something like jam, uh, black currant jam, or plum jam, or maybe strawberry jam, and you can make a sandwich like this. So I'll teach you how to make it. You have the two white pieces of bread, and the best way to do it, the best way to do it is have peanut butter on both uh, pieces of white bread on the inside. So you put peanut butter on one and peanut butter on the other. In this picture, you'll see there's not peanut butter on both sides, right? I mean, on both slices, on both slices. So I, what I would say is you put peanut butter. This is my secret. This is what we did when we, when we were younger. Peanut butter on one, peanut butter on the other, on the inside, and then take a, a spoon and then you scoop in the jam. Or if you can find grape jelly here, jam is our closest equiv equivalent. Scoop it in. You put it together. You cut it. And you can enjoy peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, what does this have to do with the prophetic? Because everybody's looking at me. I, I have an app, and we call it, we call it PB&J. I'm going to have a PB&J. You get the acronym, right? Peanut butter and jelly, right? 
So hey, let me add, I'm going to make myself a PB&J sandwich. And so we have P, B, and J. Okay. <laughs> so what does this have to do with the prophetic? My final pointers on receiving a prophetic message can be remembered by thinking of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And like I said, in America, we have an acronym for the sandwich, PB&J. I know it's not an Aussie thing, but I hope to pass on a yummy part of American culture and cause us to remember something about prophecy. So how can you be prophetic? How can you live prophetically? How can you uh, receive a prophetic word? It begins with the P, which is pray. I'd like to make it an action word. That's the noun. Pray, and this is what Elijah does. He's praying. We get into the secret place, as Jesus taught us, to hear his voice, to listen to his whisper. So it begins by prayer. Pray. So you want to receive a prophetic word or live prophetically. I would say living prophetically is even more important than receiving a prophetic word. We need to live that prophetic life. So it begins by prayer. It begins by praying. That's the P. Hopefully you remember this because it was so silly. <laughs> then there's the B. Be where the Spirit moves. Now the Spirit moves in that quiet place, that hidden place, that secret place. Also the Spirit moves when you have a people who are seeking Him and praising Him. So Elisha one time, he, he says, bring out the musician and the musician is playing and then Elisha is prophesying as God is using the musician. He's prophesying in that place where the spirit is moving. So being in the place where the spirit is moving and people are filled with the spirit and other people are prophesying and praying, this is a perfect environment to receive a prophetic word. Be where the Spirit is moving. Even someone who can be corrupt like Saul in the Old Testament got around the prophets that were walking around and he fell and he began to prophesy among them because he was in the environment of the prophets. He begins to prophesy and people started to say, is Saul among the prophets? Saul, he's trying to kill David. Saul, he's such a pain in the neck. <laughs> now, but God even got a hold of him. He started to prophesy. Good thing he was prophesying because then he would, he would start killing if he wasn't prophesying. So this is God getting a hold of him. But this also means somebody could prophesy and their life may not be right. Like Balaam may even, may, may even prophesy good things. This is why we need to be the people of God and not just speak, but be so be where the Spirit moves and be the people of God. So P, B, and J. What do you think the J is? If, you, if you've known me long enough, you know what the J is. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Journal. <laughs> Journal. Write, write down what God is speaking. Now, there's something, there's something about... Yeah, Jesus is good, too. Jesus is the best, right? <laughs> but for this illustration, 
<laughs> yeah, Jesus is the bread, good. Um, when you have a journal, you're paying attention. You're, you're like ready. And I will write different prophetic words that God gives me in my journal. Journaling helps, and it helps you to remember, and it helps you to concentrate. So this is my journal. I'm always using a journal, and I am an advocate of journaling because of how powerful it is. It, sometimes I feel like I have absolutely nothing, but I just in faith open the journal and write the date and say, Lord, oh, oh another day. <laughs> Speak to me, Lord. And then all of a sudden... Um, Revived and God speaks. So pray, pray, be where the spirit moves, and J, journal. And remember, peanut butter is sticky. That's how we want the word to be. We want it to stick to us. And we want it to be sweet too, like the jelly. It's sweet like honey. His word is sweet like honey. So that's my P, B, and J illustration. And that's... The last slide, and I'm going to pray. And then uh, we'll have a few minutes of where Anna will play, and we'll just see if God speaks to us and we have something to prophesy. Yeah, if you have something to prophesy, uh, use the mic so people at home can hear. So let me pray first. Father... Thank you for your word. Thank you for the joy in these uh, little illustrations. And thank you for the example of Elijah. He was a man just like us, but he prayed and he heard your voice and he spoke your word and he went and did what you said. And we want to be a prophetic people who are not leaning on our own understanding, but are moving in the power of the Spirit. I'm asking that your spirit flows through each one here, that we would have the boldness and confidence to prophesy and speak your word and to live prophetically. Let your spirit flow now and to everyone hearing this. Let your spirit of prophecy speak through them. And even more than the speaking, we're asking that we would be a prophetic people. We know that that's costly. Guide us into all truth. Guide us. Help us. Empower us by your spirit. We want to be open to you. In Jesus' name. We want to be open to you and hearing from you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So.